When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young and I'm with you now for the last time in 2022. Hope you've enjoyed the season as much as I have. Just a reminder that you can follow me at Chad Young. You can also catch me on the Keep or Cut podcast. And because I'm doing Keeper League content, we're going all off-season long. So don't hesitate to reach out even after the games end. Before we get into all the news, an apology for yesterday between a sick host and the rest of us being unavailable. We came up empty, but I'll try to make it up to you today by, well, by covering at least a couple things that happened Saturday as well as getting through all of Sunday's news. We'll start with those updates from Saturday. First, I reported on Saturday's show that Caleb Bort was demoted after getting his first save, but he was actually placed on the restricted list by the Red Sox as the team headed to Toronto. And then with the new laws in Canada, he was immediately reinstated Saturday with Jaron Duran option to make room. Ort, not a big deal, but Duran, I'm just very curious what the Red Sox say about him in the offseason, what they plan to do with him next year. He still has a lot of talent. He still is a really interesting fantasy bat, but man, just not really producing and now not getting a shot to even finish off the season. The Guardians made a series of moves Saturday, the most interesting being the promotion of catching prospect Bo Naylor. Naylor, who is the younger brother of Josh Naylor, had 21 home runs, 20 stolen bases in the minors this year, posting excellent lines at AA and AAA. He has a chance to be a very useful fantasy catcher if he has a full-time job next year, but he looks a little overmatched right now. He got into the game late on Saturday, caught a few innings, caught one of two guys who tried to steal on him as well, got a couple of plate appearances, and started at DH on Sunday. Between the two games, he is 0 for 6 with 5 strikeouts. Not a great start, but I'm still a believer in his bat. Guardians also designated Brian Shaw for assignment. He was a key cog in their pen for the 2016 World Series run, but little more than veteran presence on this club. They recalled Zach Plesak, who then proceeded to give up four runs on seven hits to the Royals in just three and two-thirds innings. Only one of those runs was earned. He will be in the Cleveland pen for the postseason, but I can't imagine he gets used very much. Yankees placed Zach Britton on the 60-day IL. We had reported that he came out early on Friday, so this wasn't a huge surprise, but man, that's just got to be frustrating for him to be back on the IL again. Moving on to Sunday's news, the Twins promoted top pitching prospect Simeon Woods-Richardson, part of the return for the Jose Barrios trade. Woods-Richardson made history immediately as his is the longest last name in MLB history. His jersey is kind of hilarious looking. You should go find an image of it if you can. His pitching was okay. He lasted five, gave up just two runs on three hits, walking two and striking out three with 10 whiffs and a 21% CSW. He mixed four pitches, a 91 mile power four-seamer, a slider, curve, and change. Used the fastball 55% of the time. The other three were all 10 to 20%. None was super impressive. The slider did manage three whiffs and just nine swings, but none of his pitches had a CSW over 24%. That said, he looked quite good in the minors this year, and if he has a rotation spot for 2023, I think he's going to be an interesting late round or maybe 
last round option. Logan Webb placed on the 15-day IL by the Giants, ending his season. Webb posted a 2.90 ERA on the year, and while the K numbers aren't huge, he helps out everywhere else. I feel like he doesn't get discussed a lot, but don't forget about him come draft time. The Yankees added Chichi Gonzalez to the roster and put him on the hill against the O's. He went four and two-thirds innings, striking out three, walking three, allowing a run on four hits. He's been with, I think, four different organizations this year, and I don't think this one decent appearance puts him on the radar for 2023. Michael Grove, who's been an acceptable fifth starter for the Dodgers here and there, after his Saturday start, he was placed on the IL, ending his season, which, to be honest, was probably over anyway. He'll be a little more than depth for the Dodgers moving forward. D-backs placed Emmanuel Rivera on the 60-day IL with a broken wrist. They added Jake Hager to the roster to replace him. Rivera had some flashes of impressive power this year, but didn't really put much together, and I don't think he's particularly fantasy interesting for 2023. Some updates on some early departures Sunday. Kevin Gaussman has had some really rough luck on balls in play, just very frustrating defense behind him all year. And his luck bit fantasy managers one last time. He left his start Sunday after just three innings. He had a cut on his middle finger near his nail, and it sounds like he could have stayed it in, but opted to play it safe, which honestly is the logical choice for him and the Jays given where they are. He struck out four without a walk in his three innings, giving up two runs and four hits. He'd only thrown 53 pitches, and it feels like a quality start and a win were right there for the taking, but oh well. David Peralta left the Rays game after just one inning due to hip tightness, but he says it was just precautionary and that he'll be ready to go when they need him again. The big lesson from both of those, though, is that these teams are going to be extra cautious. Guys will get extra time off this week. There are still a few teams fighting for something. Atlanta and New York not quite done with the NL East. The Mariners, Jays, and Rays still have seeding to battle over. The Phillies and Brewers aren't exactly done with the wildcard chase, but they might be by the end of the day today. The Cardinals are still looking at seeding in the NL wildcard. But even the Jays and Rays are being cautious before the postseason. They're not fighting for that seeding as much as they're getting themselves ready for the playoffs. Expect weird lineups and be ready to make last-minute changes if you can. Some returns coming today. Mariners expect to have Julio Rodriguez back, so get him in your lineups. At this point, they are very likely the second wild card, two and a half behind Toronto, one and a half up on Tampa with four left to play. But they need J-Rod to get healthy and have himself ready to go for the wild card round if they want to make a deep playoff run. Tony Gonsolin will be back on the hill for the Dodgers starting versus the Rockies in LA. If he's effective and can last three to four innings, he probably lines up as the fourth starter for the NLDS for the Dodgers. Lastly, the Red Sox will activate Eric Hosmer from the IL for the final three days of the season, and I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about that. On to our top performers from Sunday. Akil Badu was one for three with a walk, a single, a stolen base, and two runs scored Sunday. Despite a rough overall season, Badu has upped his walks and decreased his Ks and put up a 125 WRC plus over the final month of the season, dating back to early September. And now he's led off four straight times with Riley Green hitting behind him. If that's a sign of how Hinch sees this team lining up for next year, and if this is a sign of how he can perform, well, that's worth noting as you move towards draft season. Teoscar Hernandez, three for four with a couple home runs, two runs, three RBIs. He was a high pick this year and will be again next year, and I'll be right there taking him. O'Neill Cruz doubled, stole a base, went two for four, walked, and scored a couple of runs Sunday. He also didn't strike out. He's starting to show that he can produce despite the strikeout rate while showing flashes of controlling the Ks. That tells you the ceiling's still sky high and the floor is starting to raise. Very excited about him. Shea Langoliers, two for four with two runs, four RBIs, and a walk plus his fifth and sixth career home runs. His debut hasn't been great, but I really like the bat, and I will definitely be taking gambles on him in deeper leagues, especially two catcher formats next year. Other homers around the game, 
Eric Haas got his 14th. Victor Reyes hit his second. JT Real Muto his 22nd. Whit Merrifield hit his 11th as part of a three-hit day. Bobby Dalbeck got his 12th. Will Brennan got the first of his career. He also got his first triple of his career Sunday. Josh Naylor hit his 20th. Jeremy Pena had three hits, including his 21st. Albert Pujols hit his 23rd. And man, is he really going to retire? Ben Gamble hit his 9th, Brian Reynolds his 27th, Austin Slater his 6th, Mike Trout his 39th, just incredible what he's still able to do. Corey Seager hit his 33rd, Brendan Rodgers his 12th, Jesse Winker hit his 14th, Christian Pache failed to get a bunt down and then hit his 3rd, Nick Allen hit his 4th, Hassan Kim is up to 11. Elvis Andrews hit his 16th, Dan Vogelbach hit his 18th, Jeff McNeil hit his 8th, Dansby Swanson his 25th, and Matt Olson his 23rd. Other stolen bases... Bryson Stott stole his 12th, Bo Bichette his 13th, Abraham Almonte swiped his 1st, Jose Ramirez took his 19th and 20th bases, Christian Yelich stole his 18th, Corbin Carroll stole his 2nd, Jake McCarthy had 3 hits and stole his 23rd, Dalton Varsho swiped his 15th, Christian Walker got his 2nd, Trace Thompson took his 4th, Seth Brown stole his 11th, and Josh Harrison stole his 2nd. Moving our attention to the mound, Pablo Lopez struck out 7 over 7 scoreless, giving up 2 hits and 3 walks to Milwaukee. Lopez had such a great start to the year with a 2.86 first half ERA, but fell apart in the second half before closing with four straight quality starts. I'll probably be too high on him next year, but I believe in the talent, and I think he can put together a full season, maybe not as good as his first half, but closer to that than a four ERA. After a rough go and a relief appearance on September 29th, Freddie Peralta back in the rotation Sunday. It looked great versus Miami. Four shutout. We knew he wasn't going to go real deep in this one. Allowed just two hits, struck out four without a walk. Peralta's a high upside play in 2023 drafts. This is a reminder of what he can be, but he isn't without risk. Marcus Stroman went six shutout Sunday, striking out seven, walking two, allowing just five hits to the Reds. Don't expect that many Ks that often, but he is a nice option for solid rates. And if the Cubs improve, he could add wins next year as well. Tyler Anderson put the finishing touches on a masterpiece of a season, going five innings, giving up two runs on six hits, and striking out 10 without a walk. He had 21 whiffs in this one, just super impressive. Where does he fall next year? I don't know. I mean, I suspect a lot of people are going to fade him, given his history. Others will probably be very high on him, given this season. If the price stays low, I'll buy, but I'll let someone else pay full price for a repeat of this. Blake Snell took his 10th loss, but looked good doing it. Six innings, one run, three hits, one walk, six Ks. I'll be reaching for Snell next year. I think the talent is still immense. I've been selling on Lance Lynn for a couple years now and felt very vindicated by him when he looked awful in his first six starts back this year, but he's been brilliant since and continued that Sunday going seven innings against the Padres, giving up a run and five hits, striking out five and versus just one walk. He'll finish with a 3.99 ERA, and if that's the number that sets the market for him in 2023, I'll be very happy to buy. James Capriellan took a no-no into the six, but after two strikeouts and a walk, he gave up a hit. He got the third K to end the inning, but that also ended his afternoon. He finished with seven Ks, two walks, and just the one hit over six shutout. In deeper leagues, he could be interesting next year as he makes up for his lack of Ks by going into games and posting decent rates. His ERA is below 3.4, dating back to July. Faced with the Dodgers, Herman Marquez set a season high with eight strikeouts, giving up one run on one hit. Three walks over six for his ninth win. Marquez just can't consistently perform like this even away from Coors. So what do you really want to do with him? 
The Phils and Nats only played six innings before Weather cut them off, but Zach Wheeler went five of those six, giving up no runs on two hits, no walks with seven Ks, thrown just 77 pitches, but left at that point. Despite the seven Ks, he had just four whiffs and a 25% CSW. He'll still end the season with a sub three ERA for the third straight year, and I wouldn't bet against him doing it again in 2023. Luis Garcia got a win and a quality start going six, giving up a run on three hits with one walk and four strikeouts. He's not an ace, but he is a reliable back-end fantasy starter and should be drafted as such next year, certainly in the top 75 and maybe as high as the top 50. Shane Bieber's final tune-up for the wildcard round went fine. Five innings, two runs, one of which was earned on seven hits, three strikeouts, and a walk. I'm likely going to reach for him a bit next year. He's shown he can thrive at his new velocity, and given a full healthy offseason, plus the Guardians development staff has a history of increasing velocities, including Bieber's, you gotta at least believe there's a chance he finds something more again. Joey Wentz didn't allow the Twins to score in two hits, but also walked four in four and two-thirds, striking out four as well. I'm intrigued by him, but he simply has not pitched his way up any higher than watch list for 2023. Kyle Bradish was Wentz-like, maybe a little bit more. Five innings, five walks, five strikeouts, one unearned run on three hits. I'm more intrigued by Bradish than by Wentz. But again, in most leagues, he's just a guy to watch or maybe draft real late. He needs to show he can either improve his heater or use it less often before you want to buy in. Corey Kluber closed out a decent campaign going five innings against the Astros, giving up just two runs on six hits with four strikeouts and a walk. Still don't really trust him, but he could be a streaming option next year. Charlie Morton celebrated his new contract by giving up a ton of hits, but keeping his team in the game long enough to come back. He lasted just four and a third, gave up nine hits and a walk, but only three runs. He struck out five. He has a 4.34 ERA on the year, and I think that's just kind of who he is now. I think he'll be a lot more expensive than Kluber, but I'm not sure he's actually going to be that much more effective. Michael Waka has had a strong season, but it will end on a sour note. He gave up five runs on six hits over four to the Jays, tagged for all three of their home runs, struck out four and walked one. He feels very risky to me moving forward despite the excellent year, and I'm pretty sure I'd rather let someone else pay him. Ronzi Contreras gave up four runs, two of which were earned on three hits and two walks without a strikeout in three innings Sunday. And I, for one, am taking this as an opportunity to maybe buy a little low at drafts as I still love his talent. Robbie Ray got lit up by the A's of all teams, gave up three home runs in five and two-thirds innings, finished having allowed six runs, five of them earned, on eight hits with three strikeouts and three walks. In this start, he became the second fastest pitcher to ever reach 1,500 strikeouts in a career, and that's just sort of the Robbie Ray experience. Lots of Ks, too many walks, too many home runs. Maybe he can rediscover what made him magic in 2021, but I suspect he just settles in as a good, high-K starter prone to damage. Finally, the Mets desperately needed a good start, and Chris Bassett eh, didn't quite get there. Two and two-thirds innings, four runs on three hits with three walks and just two strikeouts. I'm already lower on Bassett than most, but if you like him, don't let this turn you off. This was just a bad start, and those happen. Taking our tour through the bullpens, I never thought he would hold the job all year, but Gregory Soto struck out two in a perfect ninth for his 30th save, and barring a Detroit signing in the offseason, I guess he'll be their closer again next year. Dylan Tate got his fifth save, shutting down the Yankees with a K. Araldis Chapman took the loss in this one, giving up two runs on a hit and three walks with a strikeout in just a third of an inning. I'm not sure how much the Yankees can trust him in the postseason. Jordan Romano got save number 36. He's about to shift into get ready for the postseason mode, which might mean he doesn't get all their save chances the rest of the way. Or maybe he's Emmanuel Classe, who just keeps getting every shot for Cleveland no matter what. 
He got his 41st save Sunday, striking out two Royals in a perfect inning. Rafael Montero got his 14th save despite a couple walks Sunday. Ryan Presley had pitched Saturday, so Montero took this one as the team is focused on being ready for the division series. Dylan Floro tried for a four-out save, and he came up short. Gave up a run on two hits and a walk and an inning and a third for his fourth blown save. The Marlins eventually won that game in 12 innings. Tanner Scott got his 20th save at that point. David Bednar got his 19th giving up a walk and a hit while striking out one in an inning. He'll be one of my favorite closers in drafts next year, especially if he gets traded out of Pittsburgh. Daniel Bard now has 33 saves and a 1.82 ERA after pitching two shutout innings with six strikeouts against the Dodgers. Just incredible. I will try not to ignore him in drafts again next year like I did this year. Liam Hendricks, not a guy I ignored. I had him in a number of places, and I feel good about that. Got his 36th save, striking out two, a walking one. Gave up a hit as well. Still think he's among the best in the game. And finally, Kenley Jansen got his 40th save with a clean ninth against the Mets. Given his 3.43 ERA, I'm not sure he's a lock to close again next year. But if he has a job, I'd bet on him keeping it. With that, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back to talk about Monday. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, welcome back. First thing we want to look at for Monday is the weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much. we got a couple days left of the Major League Baseball regular season. And today, Monday, we have some showers around Baltimore as the Blue Jays will be making their season finale series um, in Baltimore. Um, really doesn't mean much in terms of playoff uh, spots, but playoff positioning still up for grabs in the American League wild card. Uh, but yeah, they should be able to get this game in. It's just kind of cloudy, cool, drizzly, a shower or two around, but I fully expect them to play. Have a good one, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Mark. If you need streamers to try to close things out, there's a few that I'm going to be using. I'm hoping to use Zach Grinke against Cleveland. He tends to pitch well against them, and no idea what kind of lineup they're going to use. Bryce Elder, if he's available, is a great option against Miami. Johnny Cueto against Minnesota is not a bad choice. A lot of options out there. For offenses, definitely look for the Mets to take out some frustration on Corey Abbott and the Nationals. And if you need a home run, any of your Cubs with power, definitely interesting. Hunter Green has been homer prone. You can sometimes give him up in bunches. With that, I'm signing off on the First Pitch Podcast for the 2022 season. The rest of the crew will be with you for the rest of the week. We'll get you all the way up through the end of the regular season. Hope you've enjoyed the show. I've enjoyed hosting for you. And good luck as you finish off your fantasy seasons. And hope you enjoy the postseason. 
This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.